Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Sunday Sessions. It's uh, 21st of February, 2021. Well, thank you for joining. As you can see, uh, we're outside, first time this year, out in the Willow Cairn in the Three Labyrinth here. And uh, this is our weekly time uh, for exploring nature-centered folklore, connecting to this within your favorite sanctuary space, and expressing your inspired visions from your sanctuary through your poetry, writing, art, craft, performance, and problem solving too. Now, today's uh, Sunday session is exploring dowsing. And uh, we're gonna go from water witching uh, with Hazel to doodle-bugging with uh, copper rods and uh, dowsing as divination employed to locate underground water. That's uh, probably going to be quite a main topic uh, through this section. Uh, through this session. We're also going to be looking at dowsing tools used to locate and understand the Earth vibrations and at specific places. Now, other uses... Uh, will probably be talked about by our guests. We've got some lovely guests today and through this session. And we're going to look at uh, various dowsing tools from the Y-shaped uh, twigs and uh, uh, swinging metal rods. Or you could even adapt a metal coat hanger. Here's a, a brief instruction for doing that. Or using the what to me is a fairly sophisticated-looking lecker antenna. Now, our lovely guest today... Uh, they include uh, Jerry uh, Kremin. I haven't got a picture of him, but he's of the Irish Society of Diviners. And there's a bunch of them there. I'm not sure if you're in there, Jerry. You perhaps uh, uh, let me know uh, if you're in that lovely photograph of your lovely group there. And we've got uh, Gary White, who's the author of The Divining Mind. And he'll be talking about uh, dowsing for and within uh, thin places. And we got the lovely uh, Anne. Anne-Marie, no, that is not Anne-Marie. I don't know where she's disappeared. Uh, that's uh, ahead of it. Sorry, Anne-Marie, I think your picture has disappeared. <laughs> anyway, she's going to be introducing the fascinating Lecker antenna and some of her adventures with it. And uh, we've got uh, Dana Corby. Oh, here's Anne-Marie. I've got a lovely picture of Anne-Marie here. Let's use that one. Now, you can that even introduces you to a little bit of what Anne-Marie does. And uh, we've got Dana Corby. Um, and Dana Corby... She'll be sharing some of her amazing discoveries from dowsing maps, uh, doing dowsing over maps. And uh, at the end, uh, some surprises there. And at the end of this, we'll have a panel session. Uh, so do join in with your questions. It's a question and answering session, and that will be with the guests. So uh, before much further ado, uh, let's uh, see who we've got uh, joining us today. Thank you for those who have joined. Um, let's see who's on. There's a few of you on. Uh, yes, um, we've got, oh, there we go. And there's uh, Donna Johnson, a regular Sandra. Hello, Sandra Elizabeth Medium. And uh, it's lovely to have both of you. I just want to put uh, something in here. Oh, Claire's on, I see. Uh, hello, Claire. She's not far away from here. She's doing uh, uh, she's doing some uh, gardening here. 
so, uh, so that's great. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Now, these Karakori sessions um, and the Karakori Labyrinth Gardens, uh, they're brought to you due to largely our Patreon subscribers putting this on. You can uh, appreciate it does actually have a few things that uh, we have to pay for in subscriptions uh, watching live today. So thank you. Uh, some of you watching now are supporters, uh, but to give a wee plug of that, uh, there's where you go to to subscribe. And uh, I wouldn't be here this afternoon if it wasn't for your help. So thank you very much for that. So I'll get on with the show here. Um, where and when did this dowsing larks begin? Now, uh, that was a picture I showed you early. The Tassili Caves of North Africa, Algeria, I think. And there's something to go by. And there's a little lad there with uh, a Y-shaped stick, and that, that's about 8,000 years old. And then there's also the ancient art of dowsing uh, in the Egyptian pharaoh's temples. There's uh, artwork there. And in ancient Chinese art, and that's something that was brought in from China as well. So a lot of today's dowsing here in Ireland, though, and it seems to be the same in the UK, seems to have a kind of origin. The, the techniques seem to have a European origin, German origin. And uh, it's amazing uh, that that uh, dowsing has come from a region that actually burns the most witches during the medieval times, yet it brought to us the dowsing. And the dows German dowsing trend during the 16th century was motivated by a means to find metals. It wasn't so much a water thing. It was the metals that was the big deal then. And this kept going, um, even though Martin Luther was proclaiming that dowsing was the devil's occultism, much like a Ouija board and using them. And then in the 17th century, the Jesuits, they claimed that dowsing was the work of the devil. The devil was in the hand of the dowsers, and that's what moved their rods. Yet by the mid-17th century, those Jesuit priests were actually employing dowsers to track down heretics. So it's amazing uh, how things change. I think this is a bit of a, a heretic uh, hunt here. Uh, it's an old German picture anyway. So back to the 16th century. Mining companies around Europe became impressed with this German dowsing craft. So they employed uh, German dowsers to come to their mines. And uh, this was in the uh, England, In this was summoned by Elizabeth I. And this was especially so down in Devon, Cornwall, and Wales. And their Y-shaped uh, wooden rod was known as, um, oh, let's get the right thing going up here. Uh, it was known as a Schlagruth. And I think I've got, uh, that's a sort of metaphysical uh, version of that. Um, let's, uh, I think I've got uh, some spelling because I'm going to go through some stuff here with you of how we got some of these words, which is fantastic. There we go. This is what I'll bring up for you. And uh, the Cornish language at the time, and it's barely spoken now, uh, translated this out to be Dushan, meaning strike and fall. And that's why I got that picture up as a sort of a strike and fall uh, imagery. And in the Mendips, um, there was an English translation of the Latin, uh, let's move that way, uh, there was an English translation of Latin, Virgula Divinatoria, and that got shortened to Divina, or Divina, meaning strike a light. And there's a nice uh, drawing uh, from that time. 
And this is also known, well, this is another Davina, <laughs> uh, Virgula Davina, and it applies to this as well, bottle opener. So <laughs> there you go, uh, takes the same word. Now, the Somerset English uh, translation of this was a deucing rod, and that later became dowsing. And the rod user became known as a diviner, D-I-V-I-N-A, and uh, that got diviner. So there's a bit of the word history. I like throwing that in, as you know, on these uh, Sunday sessions, where do these names uh, come from? And I hope you got all that as uh, well. Um, and there are some other names, too. Uh, I've got a sort of a nice graphic here that lists them. There's a few other names to contemplate over. Now, the favored, uh, the favored woods uh, in Europe for Y-stick for dowsing are hazel. Most, that's the most popular. And Jerry's going has got a lovely example he's going to be showing you shortly. And willow also used. And um, yeah, uh, there's some people with, there you go. There's like, they've got some hazels, those, that couple there. And uh, in the USA, I believe, uh, witch hazel and peach. And this man apparently got peach wood, and they're perhaps the most favored in the USA. Our guest might say something about that. But for use, uh, these uh, Y-shaped rods cut into 12, 16 inches in length. There's a nice collection there that someone's cut up. And uh, using those, basically, for those of you who are not uh, dowsing yet, uh, hold the wood horizontally, or that, like this uh, lad, uh, raised up a bit. Uh, this one, he's raised it up a bit. Uh, but held very loosely. And then as you approach water, uh, or whatever it is that your intent for dowsing is, there'll be a feeling of a pull down. I love this old picture. There you go. Even Reese Morgan's in there, <laughs> second from the left for people from the UK. You might get a bit of a laugh from that one. And at that point, the rod must be grasped, or it, it may be dropped when it comes down. Suddenly, boom, it goes down, so you've got to grasp it. And our first guest is uh, going to be, Jerry is going to demonstrate that. To achieve this sense reaction, though, it needs a personal state of concentration. Meditation, and of course, people are familiar with mindfulness. Those, you've got to be in that state, and well, I certainly do. I couldn't give you a a dowsing demonstration just now because I'm watching all these screens and buttons. Last thing I can do is hold a, a rod straight. So uh, forgive me for that. But trying to mentally work out what will happen with the rods, if you just hold them and, and you try and will them to work, uh, and any mistrust in using the rods, if you're being a skeptic, what will happen? Nothing will happen. So the dowsing practice is called a pseudoscience by scientists. And that means that science hasn't been able to identify how and why dowsing works. But science, to me, it can feed up many reasonings for skeptics as science uh, does that in many situations, doesn't it? Take homeopathy, for instance. That's a pseudoscience, and it's mocked by science. Yet many people have resolved and recovered from illness using homeopathic remedies. And I think yoga is similar, too. Now, I've always believed that interpretations in this world some people seem to think they've got to have scientific foundations. And uh, the foundations of what we interpret is either science or perhaps is art. Now, science coming from conclusions from the use of human-created calibrated instruments. Remember, they use human 
treaty calibrated instruments and methods as well. And art comes from our inspirations, intuitions, instincts, reactions, and our consciousness. Yeah, the tool, the thing that I, uh, that I get amused by is that the tools of calibration and science that we trust in were actually invented and in creating from inspirations, intuitions, instincts, reactions, and our consciousness. And Einstein had something to say about that. I'll give you a minute to see that. Um, find that uh, I, I, it's lovely he pulled that up because he was a visionary, wasn't he? Now, I've asked the guest today to focus on dowsing for water because the water folklore themes have been our focus during this month of February, especially during Imbolc with those lovely guests that we had. But the German trend of the 16th century, as I've explained, was the use of dowsing to locate minerals. But there's no recorded mention of searching for water until about 1670. And there was an abbess, uh, St. Teresa of Avila in Spain, and uh, Gary's probably uh, quite familiar with this one. I, I've got a, a Teresa somewhere. Uh, let's see if I can find her. Is that her? Yeah, there she is. And she was about, she wanted to establish a convent, but she couldn't locate the water to serve it. So um, luckily she hadn't heard of the preaching of dowsers being devil workers from Germany. So she invited a, a German dowser to find water for a convent. And he did, he found lots of water apparently. And St. Teresa was thrilled. She regarded this dowser as a miracle worker rather than an occultist. But this seems to be the only recorded dowsing for water that I know of at that time. Anyway, I think, uh, let's see, uh, some, there's more of you aboard now. Oh, boy, you've really tuned in now. There's lots of you. Let's see what you've got to say, because we're nearly on to our first guest. We've got Sharon May Nickel. Hello there. Mary, lovely that you've joined us again. Thank you. Michael, we're getting a lot of uh, some YouTubers today, which is fantastic. Uh, happy to be with you from Belgium. Uh, great, because we've got Anne-Marie from Belgium, too, one of our guests. And Anne Garrity Smith, who's got that lovely uh, Vista Center in Ardar uh, in uh, Longford. Uh, lovely to have you with us, uh, Anne. Thank you very much. Uh, Joey Sparks is here. I loved the trip to Round Island a few years ago. David, hello. Hello. And we've also... David, hello there, watching from Ireland somewhere. And we got a neighbor here, Didier. Hello there, Didier. Fantastic. And I uh, hope all's well with you over the fields. And uh, then we've got uh, Candice Batten, Rebecca Miller. Oh, there's uh, quite a, a bunch of you here. Oh, that's lovely. Thanks very much. And I assume that's growing. And those of you who have missed the beginning, uh, you can watch the archive to see my. Uh, ramblings on so far, which has been a bit of an introduction. Now, let's get on to our first guest, uh, Jerry Kremlin of the Irish Water Diviners. Um, he's our first guest, and he's one of the coordinators uh, of the Irish Society of Diviners. This is time for me to put my sort of earplugs in so I can actually hear Jerry. Um, and uh, one of our first uh, fabulous guests. And he's about to serve us a perfect startup for this lineup today. I had a lovely chat with Jerry last Friday, and he's a very fascinating man and a natural at dowsing. And he's definitely a voice of the society here. So uh, here is Jerry. Let's get the right person. There he is. And he's going to introduce Irish diviners and serve you a wee chat about dowsing. How are you doing there, Jerry? Hi, how are you doing? 
No, you'll be great as you are. We'll take you as you are. That's fantastic. Okay, uh, okay, and it's lovely if, if you can let us know the first question. And you were showing the, the rods earlier, but uh, a little about, about yeah, yeah. the Irish divisions and what you do would be fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we, we're, we're a, a, a mixed match of people. Uh, we, we usually would have had a meeting on the uh, second Saturday or the, of uh, the second month. I'm sorry, the fourth Saturday of the, of the, of the every, every, of starting in January and every, sec every second month after that. And uh, we used to have it inside in Sink Street, uh, but we've, we haven't had that since last January. So, um, so um, we do, you know, we, we have very little contact with, with people except, you know, uh, phone calls or, uh, and that. And we have a, uh, we set up a bit of streaming. But, uh, you know, as far as, um, we, we used to do a lot of field work and we would have had a few meetings and, like uh, as well as go, as water, we would look for a lot of uh, stone circles and um, you know a bit of a day out on them and uh, just you know going to places like Tara and uh, even in Slane, you know Hill Slane, and it was interesting for you know the, the way you go into just a green field and uh, we we can just uh, form a circle. We we would have markers. I, I think have some of them there. We'd get. Little, little, uh, just ordinary, uh, little bits of bamboo would just put them down as you go along, and you end up forming a, a couple of circles. A lot of these are four, they'd be, they'd be, they'd, they'd be four ring circles, and, and they match up. And you know, there's one, one goes on to the other. And normally, you would find that even with the, the you know, with, with um, in, in Slane, that uh, they, they form form a pattern of where the where the building was you know that they, they, they did have something to do with the energies and uh, they were i would think they would they were probably sensors of the earth you know when when, when the first period came here and uh, they got rid of a lot of the of the negativity that was, that was about but of course like they're they're they're, they're long forgotten about and uh, now they're just used as farmland you know and uh, you know, I suppose for years and years we were unaware of them. And uh, like once, once we became less nomadic, I suppose you know, land became a possession, and uh, you know, it was fought for. So um, you know, it was it was no longer something that that we shared. You know, like so, uh, you know, life life has completely changed since 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 then. You know, and. Uh, and you know, even you know, when we went to new lands, I suppose it was it was a bit similar. But uh, like, it's just uh, I suppose it was human greed that we just seem to want possessions. You know, even though all possessions are only very temporary. You know, but uh, yeah. for that reason, we just seem to want them. You know, that we we don't trust yeah. our fellow human being to to sh to share anything with them. And uh, the, I suppose uh, uh, you know, the, like that—that that is the history, and I suppose it's just—it's just a survival of the strongest. And um, you know that—that that goes down right down to the lowest, the lowest form of people. Then that if we're a little stronger than the person below us, we're going to use that influence. And uh, you know, I mean, 
it's probably something to do maybe with what we're going through at the moment. You know, maybe we. Yeah. We, we Jerry, you show one. you showed me yeah. your wonderful uh, hazel rod. That was absolutely spectacular. Can you give us a bit of a, oh, a yeah, chat that around that? I give that was brilliant. Let's see if we can get in the screen. <laughs> there we go. Spring, spring rod, hazel rod. I think this is, looks like a black horn tree. But anyway, they all work. You know, it is. Uh, it is to do with the It is to do, do with the belief. Number uh, generally, if you could uh, see it there with the with you 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 put your 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 hands facing up, the palm your hands facing up, and uh, you put the thumb on each side of it. And you hold it as you know as horizontal as you can, and whatever you're looking for, you you will you, you know sometimes it come up, sometimes it'll go it'll go down, but uh, you know that that you you will get a reaction once you come across what you're looking for, you know, and then you 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 pass that point and it's gone again, come back and it's gone, you know you you get that, um, it 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 triggers something in the person that's holding it, and most people can do it. No, I'd say very few people cannot do it, you know, but um, it's just, you know, some people have a, a, a belief that they cannot do it. And then they can't, they, then, you know, that, that's a, you know, you're bringing negativity into it. Uh, you, you showed your metal ones as well, which is fabulous. Yeah, I, that's that one. There's, there is, um, there is uh, the, um, these ones here, they're, they're, they're made out of, out of, out of a brazing, Raising rod, you know they're round and they're they're they're, they're brass, and it's the same thing. You hold them, like hold them, kind of slightly, you know, hold them in the hand, and uh, you come across something, and they'll they'll join, you know, in the middle. Some people like to put a sleeve on them. I don't, but um, uh, some people put a bit of wood, drill a bit of wood, or you know, like so, just a uh, a biro, stick it into them. Uh, uh, you know, I, I personally I don't, but uh, you know, some some people uh, some people prefer it that way. And then of course you have the you, you have the the pendulum, you know, which will again will will do the same thing. And um, again, like normally, you know, you have you have a neutral a neutral position like that, and clockwise for yes and anti-clockwise for no. That that can change as well, you know, with people. Uh, some some people have have a reverse reaction to it but uh, one way or the other when when you come across what you're looking for you will get a, re a reaction and uh, once you pass that that reaction goes again you come back and, and you, you'll get that reaction and like this is very good for map dowsing you know that, that if, if you're looking for water for instance you'll um, if you get a map of the area you want you go over it with the pendulum and you know, you, you can maybe cut mark it in four places, put a cross through it, and and do do each section, and uh, you get a general idea of where the water is. And once you go to that site, then the uh, you you spend less time walking around aimlessly. You know, so um, it, it it just uh, nobody knows what? how it works. It works. No. What would you yeah. say has been the most exciting discovery by the society when you've gone on field trips? Uh, um, I suppose for for a lot of people, you see, a lot of people, I suppose now are are very urban and that they haven't gone out much, you know, to to the likes of where forts are and that. And I think it was just the likes of going going up to Slane and going inside the wall in Slane. 
and getting those energies. And uh, there were people there, you, you know, it, it was fascinating for them, I think, that you just go in and uh, I have a bag of markers and you go in and you, you, you go with the rods and, you know, maybe three or four people go around in a circle, just stick down and stick them down. And just to see that circle forming. And you go in another bit and there's another circle. You see that forming. And you go into the point of that and you you, you, you look around, you'll see these circles with the centerpiece in you move up further. It's that it's just a series, a whole series of, of these circles, you know, four ring circles in a lot of cases. And, uh, you know, it's it's just, it, it has a pattern, you know, it will, it will have an east-west pattern. Some of these patterns will be for, for the winter solstice, summer solstice. You know, the, you know, the, there's, you know, the winter solstice, is that the, the shortest day of the year will be the, the rising sun and where, where the, the, the direct opposite of that will be the sitting sun, of course, on, on, the, on the longest day of the year. So you'll, you'll, you'll have those lines you know, that, 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 that form. And uh, a lot, of, a lot of, uh, of these sites are aligned the, to these places. You know, there, there were energy spots and um they they were also meeting places and uh, mm. you know that they were they were a lot of times you would have a full of fear beside Asia, you know, the cooking pot where people gathered mm. up whatever deer or whatever and <laughs> uh, they just uh, filled the pond with which they heated the stones and they cooked the they, they cooked the meat they put their meat in the straw and they cooked the meat in the pond with the stones and um, you know, people have done it in modern times, and they, they're very surprising to pass how the meat will cook even with the stones. We so cover uh, with uh, one of the Sunday sessions uh, for the uh, Yule for the winter solstice. We go into that one quite a bit. Anyway, it's been a fantastic introduction, and I, I hope we'll be able people will be able to get out on the field trips and be in yeah. groups again. We all wish to join our hobbies rather than just share this online but thanks very much for that introduction Jerry. that was fabulous and uh, an insight that ireland is included in this so thank you very much and all the best to you jerry thank you thank you uh, uh jerry there thanks very much uh irish diviners now uh i there's my <laughs> there's a little bit that's an order that's my uh pendulum it's made with order and uh I got a little bit of quartz on the end, but as I say, I can't do much. And Jerry gave a lovely introduction uh, for that. And I, I'm showing that because um, I'm going to move on with pendulums a bit now, but I'm not going to say much about them uh, because of time limitations. But I was introduced to pendulums uh, by my family, and they use them often when they notice uh, my very young fascination with uh, ordnance survey maps. And uh, I learned to use a compass very young. And I was pointing out and talking about stone circles, holy wells, tumuli, standing stones, hill forts, and cairns. And I was just so excited as a wee nipper, six, seven years old, seeing all this stuff uh, from um, an ordnance survey map. It absolutely is fascinating. I'm looking up because I, I'm just hoping we're not getting drizzle. I hope it's just passing. Anyway, uh, I was so encouraged to use a pendulum on maps, I got a picture, I think, of someone using a pendulum on a map. There we go, just to show what we're talking about, a uh, pendulum on a map. And uh, it was to see how these sites linked up. I thought it was fascinating. And then I'd take a pendulum with me when I visited these sites uh, that I saw on the map. And uh, 
I was at that time I even moved on to because it was a family thing. Uh, is uh, no, that's the wrong picture. And uh, I was drawing up astrology charts at a young age too. And I would swing a pendulum over that. And I love this old picture of the idea. That's obviously not an astrology chart, but there's some astrology sculpture with the image of a pendulum. So it was, uh, to me, as a young child, anything that was charting, I was into it. Well, that's all I'm going to say about pendulums today. But I wish to introduce our next guest, who is a lover, uh, who's got a great pendulum story. So I'll get this uh, set up now. And hoping this uh, drizzle will go away. We've got a bit of a drizzle moment at the moment. But I think it's just for a few seconds. Uh, anyway, before I do that, I'm going to check the comments. And just excuse me while I, I, I wipe water that's lashing over the uh, computer desk here. Not doing uh, the computer much good, is it? Um, but I think it's gone away now. I don't think we're very serious with that. Uh, this is the trick of being outdoors, of, of course. Uh, but let's see what you're saying at the moment. Uh, there's a few people joined on. Um, sun's back out. Great. Big Bear's here. Yay. <laughs> He's become a regular. Thanks again for joining us uh, there. Uh, Big Bear in Ireland on the YouTube here. And uh, Mark Fish uh, found Jerry fascinating there. Very good. Macedonia. Uh, Mirko, very uh, lovely to have you here. And Claire Roach is thanking uh, Jerry here. And lovely to see you, Jerry, uh, Sherry, uh, a regular. Uh, lovely that you can join us uh, as well. And then we've got uh, a Lindy from New York. Uh, thank you for coming on board. Uh, hello from everyone. As I say, uh, if you've missed the beginning, you can actually, this is going to be archived and you're actually going to be able to see it. As soon as this is finished, you can watch the archive as well. But uh, Dana Corby, now she intrigues me, and she introduced me to some of her dowsing work, and she dowses with maps. And uh, I think she's watching. I haven't seen her say hello yet. But this included crime solving through giving the location of a serious crime perp, and she'd, she'd get the, uh, to a map, and she'd have the pendulum, she'd get a location, hand it to the police, and they go off and arrest the person. Now, Dana couldn't be live with us uh, today. She lives in Tacoma, Washington State, uh, but she sent me this uh, video uh, to share with you all. And so, uh, without further ado, this is uh, Dana Corby's story. I, tr I trust you will. Hello, John. Hello, friends. My name is Dana Corby. I live on an island in Puget Sound, which is that notch you see in... Again, get the background. Uh, I'm not getting a response here. Sorry, what's happening? Uh, I've got a, a, a little bit of a, a hiccup with the uh, service here. Give me a few seconds. I think it might be a, a StreamYard issue. I will get onto this in a second. Let's get this going. And then we'll get her video going. Uh, apologies for hiccup there. Uh, let's see if I can uh, get this going. I was. Hello, John. Hello, friends. My name is Dana Corby. I live on an island in Puget Sound, which is that notch you see in the upper left-hand corner of the map of the United States. John asked me to 
tell more fully the story that I mentioned on uh, his post the other day about an interesting experience that I had with map dowsing. It was 35 years ago, something like that. And I, at the time I was living in Boise, Idaho and had a women's Wicca study group going. And one of the girls in our group was going to college days and working as a bartender at night to, you know, work her way through college. Well, one night she left work about 2 a.m. as usual and cut through the park as usual because it made her trip home about six blocks shorter on foot. And she realized she was being followed. Hmm. So she walked faster and managed to get home. And shortly after she did, uh, the man broke into the house, started beating her and her roommates up, and attempted to rape one of the girls against the wall. Excuse me. And one of them managed to make it out the back door to the next door neighbors and called the police. Well, this was Boise, Idaho, 30 plus years ago. And the Boise police were dominated by two very conservative religious groups, the Mormons and the Nazarenes. And what the cops told my friend was that if she had been home like she ought to be, this wouldn't have happened. No attempt to take information, nothing. So the next time we got together in our women's group, we decided to try map dowsing and see if we could find the man. Got out a map of Boise, got out a pendulum. This one, in fact, um, is my favorite crystal. Uh, and I, all I have to do is take it off my neck and voila, pendulum. So anyway, we doused on the map and got a hit. Wow, almost immediately. So one of the girls who had plenty of spare time in the daytime started staking out the address that we got via our map dowsing and a couple days later here comes the man out of the house gets in a car and drives away so she takes the address and the license number to the police and says this is your guy now arrest him and they did talk about flabbergasted that was my first real experience with map dowsing and my husband and I have both kept doing it ever since. I also do other kinds of divination as well. For instance, about um, 1972 or thereabouts, I was taught a system of brunstone divination. Isn't It isn't like Futhark. It's um, a, a different system entirely and not long ago I put out the book it's on Amazon so if you're interested there it is um, 
I've also spent a summer as a as, as a phone psychic, which was exceedingly interested. Interesting. Talk about learning a lot about human psychology. Uh, so anyway, um, that's that's basically the story, and it led to lots of years of interesting divination, mostly over maps and other paper things. I, I don't do much walking the land type divination uh, or, or dowsing or anything like that. I use, I use my dear pendulum, my dear crystal pendulum a lot, but not long ago, um, I was given this adorable little brass pendulum. It, it looks big, but let me move it back next to my face so that you can see the actual size. It's teeny, but it's very heavy and it does a good job. You'll notice that both of my pendulums are on chains rather than strings. I have, I have this theory. <laughs> Don't we all have theories? I have this theory that um, the twist in a string can influence the swing of a pendulum. So I use chains instead because they can be trued. There is no twist in that at all. It just hangs there and does its thing. Anyway, that's, that's, that's the rest of the story. And I thank you all for hearing it and am delighted to meet you all. If you want to uh, contact me in any way, again, I'm Dana Corby. I'm on Facebook under that name. That's D-A-N-A-C-O-R-B-Y. Thank you so much and blessed be. Well, thanks very much uh, to Dana there. So it's a video and I think the one lesson with that is um, and I do ask is that uh, we do do still do videos in landscape. Uh, we haven't gone on to TikTok yet. So um, submission of videos, uh, you can still bring, uh, send them to them in landscape. Anyway, uh, that was different. Uh, but despite uh, dowsing being an unproven pseudoscience, I believe that every water board in the UK employs a dowser. And I believe the water network now, now is a link up of individual county water boards, which is unlike Ireland, uh, which has recently changed to just one centralized water board. And uh, I've got some picture up for you for some Irish. Uh, yes, uh, this is the Irish water board. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Um, anyway, uh, though there's some local water cooperatives in Ireland, and we actually belong to one here in Caracrory, and I'm so glad that we do. But maybe recently in the UK, the county boards have been centralized into, I think, it, for, not for one for each county, but into a dozen uh, boards. And uh, help me out to confirm this, any of you uh, from the UK. Anyway, the main point is, it seems that all of the UK water boards employ, or most of them employ dowsers to find underwater pipes, one of the most difficult tasks of a water board. But there's been consumer complaints. Uh, the UK water boards have recently been quick to point out that they do not actually pay money out to uh, employ dowsers. 
but established elders, they actually like to take up engineering jobs within the water boards. So they volunteer their services from them. So that's the way they turn that around. So this information was shared by Waterfords uh, after disgruntled paying consumers complained that their bills included some costs to pay for these uh, practitioners of a discredited medieval craft of dowsing. Um, so there we go. There's an imagery of that discredited medieval craft of dowsing who are actually volunteers. But even so, dowsers seem to be called upon by most countries of the world during drought times. And during drought, people, especially farmers, they need water to be found. And uh, it seems the closest science has aligned with some dowsers is that the dowsing tools amplify subtle movements in their hands, known as idiomotor responses. Now, science thinking from at least three respected sciences, science writers, I haven't got their names at the moment, but they were between about 1850 and 1955 or 60, is that subtle hand twitches is a reaction from our subconscious responses. And I believe this has raised dowsing from being a study of the paranormal into an actual mild acceptance of our mental sensitivity to physical reactions. Now, the tools most used by dowsers, as I've shown, are the uh, metal rods. And then we've got uh, another picture of metal rods. And uh, again, I'm not going to elaborate on those uh, metal rods because Jerry demonstrated the pair to us. And some of dowsers, they adapt. Uh, using wire coat hangers. There you go. That shows you how to snip a wire coat hanger. I had a, another picture uh, to make the same, if you want to have a go at that. Uh, but our next guest is going to demonstrate um, a sophisticated development away from the wife rods and away from the swinging uh, metal rods. There you go. There's uh, what we're leading up to. And uh, anyway. I'll leave you anticipating that while I see what's the latest that you're saying here. Uh, Claire is complimenting Dana. Thank you very much uh, for that, Claire. Uh, so uh, that's great. And uh, well, I think it's time to bring on Amria. Didn't have a picture for her earlier, I don't think. So there you go. There's a nice little meme from her. And uh, Dame Amory uh, Delmott, uh, she explores and teaches uh, bioenergetics and uh, learn, learns how to measure and balance uh, bioenergies, as you showed there, um, uh, through meridians, dragon lines, chakras, and other living uh, flow paths. And she's come to develop this craft from a foundation of sound scientific background. And is, Amory is quite a scientist. And she uses a craft with a lecker antenna as a means of tracking resonance with crystals, color, homeopathy, bark flowers, essential oils, just to name a few things. And out in the field, uh, she goes off to ancient sites, into woodlands, into gardens, uh, and uh, with buildings too. Uh, and she's an author of some books about her craft. Here's one of her books there. She might say a bit about that. And uh, she's also a lecture antenna course facilitator. So, without further ado, um, we're going to uh, here's Anne Marie. 
And Anne-Marie's got uh, loads of stories. Uh, there's enough content to share with a full Sunday session and more. Uh, but this afternoon, Anne-Marie is going to be with us for an introduction and presentation of the lecture and lecture antenna and how she uses it and uh, a bit about her craft today. So without ado, there's, um, I'll put the earphones in again and uh, I'll, I'll, let's see, we'll get her on first and then I'll say hello. And uh, there you go. Come on. There you go. And there's Anne-Marie there and I'll get the little thingies on. Uh, you're looking great there anyway. Uh, let's get the sound. Um, there we go. Hello, Amory. Uh, good afternoon. John. Oh, you're loud and clear. Absolutely uh, fantastic. Uh, brilliant that uh, you've joined us and uh, patience of waiting while we're going through the other guests and my rambles. Fantastic. So I suppose without further ado, a lot of people won't know. You know, they know about dowsing rods and wire rods. But tell us a, a bit about the Lecker antenna. So uh, I actually prepared a talk for today. Um, so good afternoon, John. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen who have joined us here. Uh, my name is Anne-Marie Dalmott, as you can read on the screen there. And I will be giving you a short presentation of a lecker antenna. So this is a lecker antenna. But uh, I have to uh, admit that I made some cards from which I will read some excerpts because I don't want to lose my thread and start to digress, which I can very easily do. Uh, so I'm going to really stick to the cards so I can be in the time frame that you have given me. So this presentation will take about 15 minutes and is structured as follows. First of all, I will tell something about myself and how, why I got to use a lacquer antenna, which is a sort of dowsing scientific instrument. Then I will tell you about what a lacquer antenna can be used for, and then uh, about its origin, uh, what it looks like and how it works. And I would like to end this presentation with a very short poem about dowsing I found recently. So for starters, something about myself. Uh, my name is uh, Anne-Marie, as I was, as was said earlier, and I'm from Belgium. And as you said as well, I am a scientist. I studied clinical chemistry, but uh, ever since I was born, I have always been sensitive to all kinds of energies. And I wanted to objectify what I was sensing. So I was, was feeling all these different kind of feelings, but I couldn't put a name on it or anything. And as a scientist, I love to measure and quantify things. So I looked for a measuring, scientific measuring device that can measure the energies I was sensing and be able to name them and know their wavelengths or frequencies. So I found this in the lacquer antenna. The first time I ever saw a lacquer antenna was at when I consulted a medical doctor in Belgium when I was 20 years of age. I won't tell you how long ago that was, but I was only able to find one I could purchase myself um, much later, which was uh, in 2008 to be precise. Now, what can a lacquer antenna be used for? The lacquer antenna can be used to measure water, of course, but it can also be used to measure ley lines and energies at ancient megalithic sites, 
you're already talking about stone circles, tumuli, um, dolmen. So all of those are me uh, megalithic sites, but also holy wells, the energies at holy wells, labyrinths like your labyrinth, uh, John, uh, which I uh, measured a few years ago and which is mentioned in one of my books, cathedrals and so on. Now the lecker antenna can be used for geobiology. Uh, now what is geobiology? Geobiology is the study of the Earth's influence at a precise location on everything that lives, be it human, animal, or plant. So the Lecker antenna can be used to measure all kinds, all types of negative energies that emanate from the Earth. Now, why would you want to measure those negative energies in your home or garden or field or terrain uh, and so on? Now, a good example to illustrate this is the case of my stepdad. My stepdad had a prostate operation and he just wasn't recuperating from it. So it had been six weeks and I was wondering whether his hospital bed was on negative energies. I asked his permission to do a reading of his bed and as it seemed indeed, the very spot he was operated on was on a crossing of negative energies of the earth. That was why he wasn't uh, recuperating from that operation. So I just moved his bed a little bit and that was enough for his body not to be on those energies anymore. Now I won't go any deeper into which energies it was, but uh, they were uh, not good for his revalidation or for anybody's help for that matter. So to make sure that that bed wasn't moved back to its original position, I told the staff of, uh, in the ho at the hospital about this, and they were surprisingly very understanding and even interested. I think they might have made a connection to that room and people not getting better, but they didn't say anything about it. But I, I, I had like this group, why were they so interested in me saying this? Um, so he made a speedy recovery after I moved his bed. Now the lacquer antenna can also be used to uh, evaluate corrections that you can do of these negative energies of the earth. So in a case where you don't, you're not able to move the bed, you would be able to make certain corrections by using very low budget or even free materials. Now, I have conducted a laboratory search at ancient megalithic sites in the west of Ireland and also at the Lochlu Cairns and at Croggan Mount in Ireland. And then also in France, in Karnak, where you have these famous uh, megalithic stone rows and uh, other sites in Brittany in France as well, where there is a multitude as well of well-preserved megalithic sites. Now, my research in Ireland and in France, uh, I had to verify certain things I had discovered in Ireland, but as, as, as France has, uh, I'm not reading off my cards anymore, I'm starting to digress. Uh, I'm just gonna go back to my cards. Now, that elaborate research in Ireland and France led me to a very important discovery about how the ancients worked with the energies of the land and different configurations of stones. So like you see quadrilateral, rectangular structures, stone circles, dolmen, cairns, 
uh, all these different configurations of stones give different energies and work differently with the energies of the land. And this, their purpose is to clear the land of these negative earth energies for better crops, better yields, better livestock and well-being. So I write about my research and gradual discovery of all of this in uh, several of my books. And I also teach this long forgotten knowledge to others, to my students. Now, another application of the lacquer antenna is bioenergetics. And by bioenergetics, I mean measuring a person, it, measuring their bioenergies, but also balancing them and also uh, bioresonance, uh, so selecting remedies for a person. And these remedies can be, as you maybe already mentioned a few there, John, crystals, color filters, homeopathics, Bach remedies, Schussler salts, and many more. Now, I would like to elaborate very shortly on bioenergetics by means of a case, which is the one of my mom. My mom had only one to two days more to live. And as she had dementia, I asked my stepdad whether I could try something with the lecker antenna, to which he agreed. So I actually measured that her connection to the earth was very weak, which meant that, um, also this is very emotional for me, which meant that she was leaving us soon. So I sent her that uh, energy overnight and also energy to strengthen her central nervous system for her dementia. And it was incredible. The next day she was already more lucid. And two days later, she was sitting with the other residents in the recreation room of the nursing home. And she lived another three years after this. This for me, this was really a, a, a real eye opener because I mainly got the lecker antenna to sense energies at sites and, and, and places. But then I wanted to learn more about bioenergetics as well. <clears throat> now the origin, how does the lecker antenna look like and how does it work? So its origin uh, is the principle of the Lecker antenna was developed by the Austrian physicist Ernst Lecker in 1889. He was a colleague of Einstein, hence the name Lecker antenna because Ernst Lecker was the first person to discover. Uh, I won't go into this because it would take us way too far. Now the Lecker wires were then further adapted by physicist Reinhard Schneider to be able to be used as a measuring device of energies of very low intensity. Now, what is a lacquer antenna? So this is a lacquer antenna. Uh, let's see whether I can hold it. Yeah. Uh, it is a scientific instrument that can measure, but it can also send energy. So it has these two lacquer wires and then it has the arms the two arms to uh, hold the instrument it has a base block it has a ruler in centimeters so the the white with the graduations is a ruler and then it has this movable cursor which determines what energy you want to look for or send so for example a setting on of 7.8 is to look for running water, 135 to, for, to look for stagnant water, and so on. 
Now, um, how does it work? And just put it on beneficial energy here. Um, how does it work? It works by means of resonance. So if there is a resonance between what is looked for and what it is said to, then these physical forces will come into place in the antenna itself, which makes it slightly tremble and uh, will want make it want to dip. So these are actually real scientific forces. Now I can uh, make a sh um, do a very short demonstration. I have an organite here. I don't know whether you know about these little devices. They uh, emanate orgon energy. So I'm just going to demonstrate. You can't see it now on screen, but I, you will see the antenna. So I have to look for. I have a setting for orgon. So if I now come in to my organite, which is just beneath the antenna there, you see that it, it, it dips. So I, the, the organite is actually emanating a wall of organ energy. And when the antenna comes into that wall of energy, it resonates. And if you, you need to learn a little bit how to handle the how to hold the lecker antenna correctly but if you come in that wall of energy the, the antenna just it, it just will dip because it, it gets it feels these forces that come into the antenna which make it um that's the way it works anyway um now as to resonance uh, another example of resonance is somebody singing a high note and somewhere else um somebody holding a crystal glass and the glass shattering. So that's resonance. The same here with the lacquer antenna. Uh, now, the lacquer antenna can also be used to um, look for copper, gold, silver, diamonds. If you have a setting, you can look for it. And it also can um, be used to test the quality of food. Now, anyone can learn this um, because of this uh, scientific instrument and you have these physical forces making the antenna dip. Um, so I, I am offering also uh, several online courses for bioenergetics, for geobiology, but I also made a mini course, which is only a one hour video on demand course with all these short exercises you can do. And going by the feedback of my uh, students who have done the mini course, it is very much appreciated because all of them have, are able to use and, and handle the, the antenna correctly. Now, as to my courses, I, besides the mini course, I have uh, short courses for bioenergetics and geobiology, but I also have like a flagship course bioenergetics and I also have a flagship course geobiology and the bioenergetics goes even that far that you can take a practitioner certification module so if you want to become a lecker antenna uh, bioenergetics practitioner that is perfectly possible with my online courses everything can be done online so you don't even have to go to an exam center everything is done online now Having a lacquer antenna and using it 
only requires a small investment of your time and resources, but you get so much for it in return. I recently had somebody uh, from the States putting up a review saying, I have saved hundreds of hours and I can't even imagine how much money just by learning the skill and be able to work on my health and well-being. So I would say, imagine feeling fantastic because you can balance your bio energies and live in a healthy home of a high vibration in which you can thrive because you have learned also how to use this instrument for geobiology, how to how you can alter your house to a healthy house with high vibration and finding diamonds. So I would say it's only a very small investment of your time and, and resources. Now, maybe just uh, something about my books. So I have um, five books. First of all, I have a practical guide, which is a good complement for uh, the mini course. Uh, so that's a basic training in geobiology and bioenergy. And then I have this book, which has uh, John has already shown the cover of. This is where John's labyrinths are in uh, mentioned in. Yes, and much, much more. And then I have this book, which is unveiling ancient knowledge at the local currents, a subtle a journey into the discoveries of the subtle energies. Now, this book has uh, recognition from uh, the Irish Heritage Council and the Irish authorities as of cultural merit and original. Now, this is a big thing, I would say, because it's actually acknowledging that these energies of the land and at these sites are real. So, and then I have two more books, which are is about my uh, my research of the sites in in France. So, it's signpost to the Holy Grail. I uh, I'm very big on long titles, so I won't pronounce them to you here. Um, and the secrets of the energies at the megaliths in Karnak and Brittany. So, these two books are major. Uh, books about my research and discoveries and this is the signpost to the holy grail is the first book and this is its sequel so and then uh i think yeah all my books are available from all amazon sites and from specialized bookshops like kenny's in galway uh Lockroom megalithic center krogan megalithic center lieber in sligo and so on but you can find for each book i have a face um, a page on my website and where you can actually uh, get the book from now i think john maybe have has put up uh, a link to I've my i've been putting them up yeah and uh, well if you can put them in the comments as well that would be great and uh, we, uh, yeah. we'll we're going to have a bit, hopefully a panel time, but that was fantastic, Amory. And uh, yeah, there, as usual, we're running into <laughs> overtime. That's been partially my fault, and but that was beautiful, Amory. Uh, that really compacted because there is a lot of content that you can share. So thank you so much for that. You said you had a wee poem, though. Am I right? Yes, yes. Because yes. I'm the Amory through the woods through the poetry. So it'd be lovely to finish off with that poem. Yes, so uh, maybe just finish that saying that you can order free flyers from my web shop. So there's 
uh, a flyer which I made especially for the talk today, which was meant as an article for a magazine, but which hasn't been published yet because of COVID. So I made a flyer out of it. So if you want, you can download it for free from my webshop. And also two flyers, one about bioenergetics, where you have a link to see some videos as well. Or, or at least one video, and then another uh, flyer with the overview of all my online courses, just so you have an idea what you can choose from. And then, indeed, I am uh, in uh, the process of finishing um, a translation to German of my practical guide. And when I was researching for this, I came across this beautiful poem in German about dowsing and it's from 1835 by the writer and poet Joseph Freiherr von Eichendorf. So I'm going to read it to you in German. It's very short and I made a little translation of it to English so you can hear the English version as well. Wunschelrute schläft ein Lied in allen Dingen, die da traumen fort und fort in die Welt hebt an zu singen, trifft es nur das Zauberwort. Dowsing Road, a song is hidden in all things. On and on it dreams until it's found. And the world rises and sings when the magic word comes round. So thank you for listening and thank you, John, for inviting me. Uh, I'm happy that I am able to share a bit of my knowledge with, with more people in the world because very few people know about this little precious instrument that can do so many things. So I hope that this has made a uh, difference. That was that. fabulous in such little time. And of course, I'm delighted that we got a little bit of the poem at the end. So thank you, Anne-Marie. Hang on, we're going to try and have panel time. Uh, so thanks again. Beautiful. Uh, so Anne-Marie Demont there, and we'll try and get information of, of how to get hold of her, hopefully a bit of panel time. And as usual, we're running over time, but with the quality of guests, that's not surprising. Uh, so thank you for holding on, and uh, we'll, we'll just go with the flow with this. So, so far, we focus on the craft of dowsing for searching for water, minerals, bones, treasure. Uh, Anne-Marie was talking about diamonds. And uh, observing dowsing and divining through my own time, I've also noticed that uh, probably from about the late 60s, there seems to have been an explanation of dowsing into discovery of what I suppose you might say is the unseen, a sort of dowsing of what makes dowsing seem to work. And uh, there's a common term for this today. Uh, there may be dowsing for energies uh, of places, and uh, of the thin places, as our next guest uh, may say. And folklore lovers, they may call the dowsing for the presence of the she, fairies, angels, or signatures of life that was present in the spaces that they're standing, uh, the signatures of their presence over thousands of years previous. So even without dowsing rods, um, without dowsing tools, without a wire rod, uh, crossing rods, pendulums, a storyteller or anyone can actually just sit in a space, contemplate, sense it, and suddenly be flooded with visions of stories, weather patterns, and interactions of people, of animals, and even of the flow of the unseen. 
And when this happens to me, I know it's not enough to just tell it as I feel it from the space I'm in. People want verifications. You know, where is the science? Where's the proof? Where are the facts? And uh, they need these to cause these stories that we sense from a space to at least be semi-authenticated. So at this point, I first seek out place names. That's the first verification I look for. And find uh, that's on that land. And also the origins of the land where I get the visions. Perhaps look up interpretations of archived ancient scripts. Or simply seek out and reach out to local storytellers. See what they say about the spaces. The Ducas.ie is a fabulous resource. A collection of local folklore stories. That's also helpful too. Now, some may, I feel, may call these sensations and visions from the land as being spiritual or spiritual dowsing. But what is that? Now, one thing I've noticed since the late 60s is that um, a lot more during the past, uh, well, from the 60s, but a lot more during the past 20 years of social networking is, uh, let's get my picture up, is a surge of a genre we might call spiritual travelers or maybe spiritual path pilgrims. Very different to the pilgrims visiting sites featured in their preferred holy book, like the, the Bible, Quran, etc. Now, these spiritual travelers, they might carry pendulums, dowsing rods, and they certainly carry divination cards, runes, or even the oam sticks uh, in a bag. Uh, we get people coming here and they're doing that. And all of these items they travel with, they use as tools to locate, connect, and attempt to interpret and storytell the sites that they visit. And some of these people may call these sites of stones, woodland, sea, shores, wells, locks, rivers, and even sites of geological movement. And call, call all these thin places. And there they are on pilgrimages, dowsing to explore the invisible realms, and even hold intents to discover entities that they feel are within those realms. So we've got a wonderful final guest at last, and thank you for the patience, Gary, uh, to talk to you about this. And uh, before we do, let's, uh, I'm going to catch up on your comments. And thank you for holding on, as I say, we're running over time, so I'm delighted. And um, there's a, Van Marie is getting uh, comments, Sherry and uh, Lynn there and Claire as well. Fantastic. Thank you all for your appreciations. And uh, so it delayed long enough. Uh, I met uh, Gary White with his lovely wise and forever wonder-seeking wife, uh, Ellen. There's the two of them there. Uh, when they visited me as part of their research for writing their Powerful Places and Island book, and there you have it there. And um, Gary and Ellen, uh, they've got a website of Power Places series, and I'm going to post that in a moment. But for this show, the interest is more on another website, the Pilgrim Process publishing website uh, that they have. And uh, for this... Uh, and this includes a book by Gary called The Dowsing Mind into Multidimensional Realms and Back. So I'm going to share a quick intro to this uh, as an extraction from a blog post uh, from Gary. Places of power like radio stations that broadcast a signal 
that we can pick up if we tune our intuitive senses to their frequency. The more the powerful place, the stronger the signal. And Gary also explains this is, needs to be a no conversation experience. It has to be uh, in the quiet there. And there's some testimonials of uh, Gary's book that I brought up. So that's a quote from that. And Gary's our final guest today. And uh, it's, this is a lovely treat for us. As I feel that what he's about to introduce you to feels like it's going to be a very vibrational sum of all that this Sunday session has included so far and been exploring and right into the heart and soul and the foundation of dowsing. So Gary White, the co-author of Powerful Places book series and the author of The Dowsing Mind. And uh, I'll get my uh, look for my ear bits and we will have Gary on in a few seconds. Boy, it's getting cold out here. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm sort of chattering away. It was beautifully warm when I uh, came here. So um, anyway, we'll get on. And uh, right, and now, and it's uh, Gary White. Hooray. <laughs> uh, good afternoon at last, Gary, and Ellen as well. Fantastic. I'll move out of the way so you can be centered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Right, Gary, the book is intrigued. I haven't had a chance to read as much as I would have liked to, but I'm familiar from when you visited us, uh, that uh, your perception and one of the memories I have is when we went down and into the, um, the glen, uh, that ravine with the ivy and the, the trees. And you went into that, you know, no conversation, the quiet, and you was pulling up a lot of sensation from that. So tell us a bit about uh, your work uh, and uh, your approach uh, to your book. It'd be uh, fabulous. Okay. Thank you, John. Uh, yes, I came to Dowsing uh, fairly late in life uh, when we started visiting ancient sites in Europe and in the British Isles. And I remember very well going with you, uh, John, to Karakil. Uh, we were writing this series of, of books. This is the Ireland book. Uh, you're mentioned in the Ireland book. Uh, when we started going to these ancient sites, I began to sense energies that I couldn't explain. Uh, the energies were powerful. Um, and I wanted to know more about it. So we got in contact with Sig Lonegren, who uh, is a, a famous dowser and wrote uh, the uh, spiritual dowsing book and went and studied dowsing with him. And it was uh, through Sig and uh, several other dowsers that I learned the uh, the craft of dowsing. I studied uh, with Dominic Susani and uh, Ferran Blasco um, and several others. But what I found was that we were tapping into something that our ancient ancestors uh, simply knew. Uh, they had a need uh, to find 
drinkable water. And a lot of the drinkable water is under the earth. And they developed a sense of being able to go, walk out on the land and find water and find where to dig. Uh, what we call that now is dowsing, but they simply had that as a, uh, as a, a sense. And we still have those senses. Uh, they lie dormant because we don't uh, have the same need. I go out to the kitchen and turn the tap and I have perfectly good water to drink. Uh, so we don't use these senses, but they're still there. And what we are doing, I think, with dowsing Mom, is... I'm here. I'm coming with the duvet. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm just going to check on that. I, John is going to cover it up. I heard there. you were cold. Yeah, it was uh, very uh, cold out there. Um, got my mic up. What we do with dowsing is really just amplify. We just amplify the senses that we have. Now, I use rod. Uh, my my rods are the uh, not like the ones you've seen on the screen, but <laughs> beyond uh, actually the rods, uh, those are just tools. Uh, the that we have is uh, yes, John. If you could mute, that might help. Okay. Um, Okay, the sense we have is uh, is simply amplified by whatever uh, tools we choose to use. We have basic senses, uh, and they're still uh, quite uh, they're they're still there, and they can be brought out. Uh, so. That is how I have used dowsing uh, in uh, in visiting ancient sites all over Europe and and uh, and uh, uh, the British Isles. I did write this book because I believe that what we are doing with dowsing is really uh, tapping into what I call multi-dimensional realms, realms that are not um, a part of this 3D reality that we live in, but are available to us and, uh, and can be tapped into. Um, so that is uh, basically what I have to say about uh, about dowsing. You can use any tool that appeals to you. Uh, there are uh, anything from the uh, uh, from the fork stick to uh, really complicated uh, devices, but all of these things are tapping into uh, senses that we carry with us. Uh, they are intuitive, we call these things intuitive, uh, but they're there 
and whatever uh, tools we use simply is uh, is amplifying those. So back to you, John. Uh, you're still muted, by the way. Uh, sorry about that. I was going on the mute, and I was trying to get myself warm. With it. But that was absolutely wonderful. Thank you very much for Gary. Uh, for that uh, lovely introduction. We're going to have a, a panel time, I hope, and uh, it was generous for you to hold on. And I trust all of you there uh, have enjoyed our guests so far this afternoon. As I say, we're not finished. Uh, it's going to be over to you. Uh, certainly uh, ask some uh, questions about anything uh, talked about this afternoon. There's still plenty of you that have uh, joined in, which is fabulous. Uh, so uh, do uh, join yourself in. Uh, right. Um, yeah, questions. Everyone out there, YouTube, Facebook, even on Twitch. Uh, those of you who have heard the guests, what questions uh, do you have for the guests? Let's bring them all on. There's uh, Jerry. There's uh, Anne-Marie. Uh, and Gary's already there, and I'm there. And uh, so fire away uh, on that. We've covered quite a cross-section there from the introduction of the Irish uh, uh, diviners, um, and then going on to the map reading, obviously, of uh, solving crime from a map, uh, the use of the wire rods, they're looking for water, looking uh, for metals, and the whole uh, scientific uh, verification, and then going into the depths of it there uh, with Gary, uh, the intimacy of it and so let's see what you're coming up with uh, we'll take a would love to get a couple of questions fired up for, from you there um once you find water can you estimate how deep the water source is uh, one question uh that's come up so that gets us uh, started um so uh water let's uh, let's get um let's get you onto that one jerry yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there are a couple of methods of getting the depth of water. One is called the Bishop's Rule. It's when you, uh, when you, when you find water, you you pace out from that water, and the when 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 your rods move again, that's how far you that that's how far away you are from the center. That is actually the depth of the well of your of your well. And uh, another another method is um, use a pendulum or rod. You ask the question: Is it you know uh, going by one whatever meter? You know, is it a me one meter deep, two meter, three, four, five meters? You go right on, 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 and then you get a reaction when you come to the depth of the well. You know, it's a. I agree. Yeah. And, and of course, the other thing, the other thing is actually just in that as well. It's uh, the direction of flow. You, when you get the, when you find the water, uh, you ask for the direction of flow, and the rods will will move on the direction of flow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and your approach on that, Amory, the depth of water. Um, yeah, well, um, I think you could do the same thing as was just said. Just douse with your antenna and ask: Is it zero to ten meters, ten to twenty meters, and then just fine tune if you have the depth. But I know there's another um, way of doing this. It has to do with the spiral signals of the water. Um, so um, 
running water or even sucking water would have several spiral signals spiraling out. So every energy signal, if it's a genuine one, will be a three-dimensional spiral. And But I have forgotten. My teacher is actually listening here today because I'm, I'm not very interested in, in uh, actually knowing the depth of water. So I will need to have to get back to him and ask him. I think it has to do with where you find the last spiral signal. That will be your depth, but I'm not 100% sure. So I know, but you can use the like antenna for it. <laughs> and, and you, Gary, your thoughts on that, finding depths of water? Yes, uh, it's certainly true that uh, one can sense the depth of, uh, of water. And I, uh, when I've done it, I've used uh, a similar method of, uh, is it five feet deep, 10 feet deep, 20 feet deep? Uh, and uh, asking yes and no questions of a pendulum or, uh, or the rods will give you uh, very close to the actual depth. Uh, it's fairly simple uh, because we have the sense of, of where that water is. Right, I'm going to hold you on, uh, Gary, for this next question from Sherry uh, Murphy. Curious about where the strongest energy has been found. Uh, have you got an answer for that one? That's a tough one for you. <laughs> uh, say the question again. Uh, I'm curious. Sherry Murphy asks, I'm curious about where the strongest energy has been found from each of you. Uh, where have you found the strongest where, energy? Where have I found the strongest energy? I got the question now. Uh, certainly uh, in ancient sites, powerful places, uh, <clears throat> cathedrals often will have a, a tremendous energy. Uh, stone circles, uh, the Karnak uh, alignments have been mentioned here, uh, and they are uh, a major uh, a major source of, uh, of energy. Um, yes, we find them. Uh, he, uh, I'm now uh, living in the United States, and uh, we find powerful places very close to us. Uh, Sedona, Arizona is a huge area of major vortexes. Uh, the, the powerful places are all over the earth. Uh, and a lot of them have been built upon in Europe and and uh, and uh, in the British Isles. Uh, over here, uh, the Native Americans didn't tend to build on these places, so they are very natural, and they're left in in natural uh, form. But they're everywhere, all over the earth. Indeed. And Anne-Marie, uh, uh, um, where's your yeah. strongest energy? Where have you found it? No, I would, oh, of course, measure <laughs> it as a scientist. Now, I have seen, uh, I have measured that um, this is at Karakil, that the energy after the sun has hit the, the, the interior of the cairn at the solstice, that the energy was tenfold what it was before. So that would be definitely um, a very strong energy. And 
also, I'm sorry to have to say this, but the places that have been left alone, which have very few visitors to megalithic sites, there is a cairn in Sligo, which has been, uh, uh, the, there was no possibility to visit it whatsoever because it was completely overgrown just to get there. And that energy was just amazing. So I think also it has to do, um, it, this is not very scientific for, of, of me of saying this, but I think you should approach these sites, these megalithic sites, they, they are there for a reason, they were built with so much attention and precision that these have deserved to be approached with the deepest respect and gratitude. And if that is not happening, like Maeve's Cairn, uh, I have found the energies to completely switch off at Maeve's Cairn at some point. And during lockdown last year, the energies have come on again. So people are asked not to walk on the cairns, uh, to, to approach these sites with, with um, respect. But that is unfortunately not always the case. Um, so yeah, megalithic sites, which are not frequently visited or visited by people who uh, have a lot of gratitude and respect for them. And um, what do you say about that, Jerry? You're, uh, again, the question, your strongest energy yeah. you've, you've discovered. Uh, it would be, uh, well, personally, it would be to do with spirits. Uh, like house tents are now getting, um, when, when, when um, you know, you've got, you've got trapped spirits in the house. And uh, when when you release them, or even 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 on a site, but it it usually has to do with uh, a site where there has been death or burial, you know. But uh, I've had an experience now where where there was a, um, it was a child killed in the house, and uh, it it they had bought the house a long number of years ago, but uh, it was prior to them. I got into about 1923 that there was some child killed in the house and the spirit had been trapped in the house and that was very you know that 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 you know you get that kind of a buzzing that stays with you for a couple of days and that that's the personal one i'm sure there are stronger energies but that that'd be my strongest you know when i'm dealing with that you know with the energies I think I'm going to hold on to you there, Jerry. I'm going to do one more question. And uh, any advice for first-time dowsing? That's a perfect one for you, Jerry. Uh, it's uh, don't be afraid of it. Uh, it's it's a very natural thing to do, and uh, um, it's just that uh, you re you respect the equipment that's there. All you are, you you're just a conduit for doing it. Uh, you're nothing special. Um, you, but you get the reaction and don't overdo it in the beginning just do it for a little while and uh, you have to be relaxed uh, don't be stressed don't have alcohol in you don't, you know be, be free to do it and if you um, if if you're getting any, anywhere tense just leave it mm. and come back to it later on and it's a very natural thing and uh, don't give up on it if you don't if you don't get a reaction or a slow reaction it, your your doubting reactions will get stronger every time you do it. Great. Anne-Marie, for first-time dowsers, uh, what uh, advice have you got? No, um, I, there are people who uh, advise 
um, students to do three weeks of meditation to work with lecker antenna. But like I say, I have this mini course with all these short exercises and in in two hours, I see that in my courses where I'm physically, where I have students physically present, it takes them about two hours to get going with the lecker antenna. Just one thing, I would also uh, concur with what um, was just said. Uh, of course, you have to be relaxed and you have to empty your mind and focus on what it is that you want to measure. Don't think about the groceries you have to buy in the afternoon after the course. Just think like, I'm looking for running water here. My lecker antenna is set to running water. And and it will, it will work out. Uh, just... Um, Take my mini course, and I, I, it, it doesn't need any special skill. Just focus Gary, on the question Gary. and. And Gary, oh sorry, why? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Gary, and uh, yeah, your thoughts on that? Someone starting out. Yes, uh, work with an experienced bowser. Uh, I've worked with dozens of experienced bowsers. And uh, it, uh, it's a skill that anyone can develop because we have these senses. But uh, I, I concur with the other panelists. You have, have to empty your mind. Uh, that's why I call the book The Dowsing Mind because it is a particular mental process of emptying out this left brain uh, uh, mind that is uh, constantly uh, giving you thoughts. If you can, if you can still the thoughts and just let it be, uh, the sense will come through. Oh, fantastic! Uh, sorry, I had a you uh, almost was cut off there. Sorry. Thanks very much for that. Well, thanks uh, for you all. Uh, that I'm. That's all we got on the panel. Uh, it just leaves me now to really uh, engage on um, what's coming up in the next few weeks. And uh, th that was fabulous. Thank you all for your contributions. Uh, absolutely fabulous there. Thank you for your questions. Uh, hopefully anybody, uh, the guests can go on to the comments and they can carry on uh, communicating with you, uh, which would be fantastic if you, you can get uh, to that. Uh, Right, it's uh, and thank you for your comments. It's, you've been very generous with that uh, today, so that's lovely. Hard to get to everyone because it has been uh, popular. Now, next week, twenty eighth of February, we've got Oum, uh, the tree language story. You know that the Oum I have split up into kind of five sections. So this is going to be the tree language story, and uh, going into, uh, I think you'll find it fascinating. I've covered it a bit on other. Sunday sessions is how do we start with language? How do we start with the trees? And I've repeated the lovely thing with the orm is you read from the bottom upwards, you read from the ground upwards, you read through the branches of the trees. So we'll be going into that and other languages and how people managed to find communication with each other uh, when they didn't have language and it brought together and how that communication somehow developed into language. So. I hope you'll find that fascinating. That's next week, uh, 28th of February. 
And then uh, 7th of March, we're going way into our tree time because that's a transitioning one next uh, week. Uh, let's uh, get the banner uh, going. So um, the week after that, it's going to be the bare root tree planting. So we're going to get into the practical stuff uh, next week. And uh, so bare root tree planting, there's that. So uh, we'll have guests for that. Uh, it's it's towards the end of the tree planting season here, but of course everybody leaves it to last minute. So I bet 90% of the uh, bare root planting will be starting to happen uh, next week. And one thing I didn't mention, uh, the one, the Orm one I mentioned before, that's actually going to be our 50th uh, online Sunday session. So that's a, a proud moment as well. That'll be the 50th. Then the 14th of March, uh, we're going to have uh, Labyrinth Gardens and Tree Sanctuary Creation. I'm always mentioning at the beginning here about the essential, or oh, how wonderful it is to have your own sanctuary. A tree sanctuary I find is wonderful. I'm in here, even though we haven't got any leaves yet. We won't have leaves in here much until uh, end of March, beginning of April. But uh, establishing your uh, tree sanctuary or a labyrinth garden, uh, and creating, we'll be going hands-on and we'll be going into your visions uh, through doing that. That's 14th of March. Uh, and then uh, I haven't got any pictures uh, for that. Oh, yes, this is it. This is the tree labyrinth. Uh, and that's what it was um, 13 years ago. There's Claire doing bits on it. And you might be able to see the middle of it, which is where we are now, which is covered in this willow. Uh, so that's what it was like 13 years ago, this uh, tree labyrinth here. Uh, it's fascinating. And then I know the week after that, it'll be our year, the 52nd. It'll be our year. No, it'll be the 53rd. Year's anniversary. It'll be the birthday of online Cory Sunday sessions. And we'll be starting with what we started off with, us and trees. It's the beginning of the Irish uh, Tree Week. So we'll be inclusive on that. And we're going to have some lovely guests and with that and with their tree products, with their dreams and their experiences amongst the trees. So I haven't got that listed, but that's going to be the week after that, the 21st. Uh, just have a quick look to see what uh, you're saying, uh, the latest comments, um, because uh, lovely, interesting comments coming here. Uh, Christina, thank you very much for being on board. Glad you liked it. Joey, you've made a few comments. Thank you for the contributions. Mark Fish. Great answers. Yeah, they were great, weren't they? The channel went very well. Mary, did any of you hear about a stray in the field? Even <laughs> though you might know the field very well, can go astray. Uh, very good. Um, uh, thank you for that. Thank you so much for the guest from Sherry, uh, which is uh, lovely. Um, and Anne-Marie, Regina Chant, is, uh, congratulating Anne-Marie on that. And... Uh, there's Claire, uh, Credible Explorations, Gary, and the guests uh, that you have. And uh, wonderful. Just uh, check through the guests uh, that we got there and answer them if you can. So it's really thank you for our amazing guests today. Uh, Jerry uh, Kremen, Dana Corby with the video, Dayman, Maria Delmott, and uh, Gary White. And uh, I, I would like to ask that you... Uh, Keep on commenting here. This is archived immediately afterwards, and several of you do watch afterwards over several days, and I come back and answer the comments uh, there uh, with the archive. Um, so, 
uh, please subscribe and click the bell icons that's both on the YouTube and the Facebook. That will remind you of details of the following Sunday sessions. So thank you very much. Enjoy a safe week full of wonder, inspirations, all those lovely enchantments, especially if you go dowsing. So until next Sunday, play well, and it's bye-bye for me. Bye.